And welcome back to another edition of Sanctified Reason. Sanctified Reason is where we take a look at the things that go on in this world through a biblical perspective, which oftentimes is opposite of the worldview perspective. And with me is Dan Delzell. And, and Dan, one of the things that has come out recently, you know, we've been talking about the Easter season, Holy Week, Palm Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. And so we've been focusing on that, but kind of lost in the mix with us anyways was a story that came out about a rap singer. I guess he's a rap singer, uh, Little Nas, officially Little Nas X. And he recently released a new song called Montero, Call Me By Your Name in parentheses. And the video basically is him and the part that really kind of got the attention was Lil Nas goes to heaven, apparently doesn't like it there, doesn't make it there, slides down a perceived stripper pole into hell. Satan's there, and he gives Satan a lap dance, and then ultimately I think he like kills Satan and then puts Satan's horns on his head, and I guess now he's Satan, I don't know. So that's the video and the song that came out from this guy. So to go along with that, there was a marketing company that decided that they wanted to put out a shoe with Lil Nas and it was uh Satan shoes. And so basically it was the a shoe that was a Nike shoe and apparently Nike wasn't involved with it with this and went on to sue uh you know the the brand company that was putting the shoe out because it was a Nike official shoe. So Nike was kind of separating themselves from it basically is the point. But anyway, so there's a shoe and it would have 666 on it. It would have like a pentagram on it. There would be a drop of human blood in the soul. And interestingly, they would have the Bible verse Luke ten eighteen written on it, which talks about Satan's fall from heaven, which I think maybe he's misinterpreting as thus the, you know, stripper pull down from heaven to hell. But the point is, is that there was a lot of outrage in the Christian community about it because it was, you know, emphasizing and basically, you know, flaunting the demonic. There was other people that said it's no big deal. You know, who cares? It's just a fad or it's just something that he wants to do to get publicity. It's just a marketing tool, whatever. Or it's just a way for him to make money. Each shoe sold for over $1,000, and apparently there were 666 shoes. So math majors, you can get your abacus out and do the math. Um, but the point that I'm bringing this up is because we had just gone through, you know, the holy season, Lent, and then Palm Sunday, Easter Sunday. We've talked about Jesus dying on the cross raising again from the tomb so that we can have salvation if we repent of our sins. But now when we see things like this, okay, and then there's another story that we'll get to in a little bit about, uh, about, and there's been many stories. We've talked about John MacArthur here in California with the lockdowns and churches being persecuted over lockdowns and violating supposed lockdown orders and stuff. But when it comes to these type of things, the reaction is always varied. Some people get really emotional about it, and they get really hot under the collar, let's say, and they want to react and lash out against some of these things, which I guess could be rightfully so. Others are take a little more tepid approach, and they're like, no, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. You know, we just need to make sure that we keep our testimony or witness or focus on God. And so there's the gamut of responses, you know. And as we move forward into this world, and as time goes by, I'm sure as a Christian and as a Christian community, a Bible-believing Christian community, there's going to be more and more things that we might have to protest, push back, rise up against. Otherwise, we get walked over. And we all know from this past year, the pandemic, that two weeks to 
flatten the curve, at least here in California, has now become over a year of all kinds of nonsense and civil liberties and religious liberties being taken away from us, job losses, money losses, things like that. And so getting back to the shoes then, you have a guy, an artist, comes out, has a satanic shoe, a demonic shoe that he's going to sell in conjunction with this video. How is it as Christians should we respond? Is it an appropriate response? Is there one size fit all type of response? Is it case by case, person by person? We all know Jesus overthrew the money changers and so he was irate and he came out, you know, with anger and showed, you know, strong emotion. But then there's also those that say, oh, Jesus, you know, turn the other cheek and be the soft, you know, meek type person. So a long intro, but how is it that we go about handling some of these things? And in this case, particularly like uh, something that's kind of like a demonic thing, like a shoe. I mean, is it really that innocent or should we take it more serious? Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's a very relevant question, Son, because that is one of, of many examples that we run into from time to time that. Um, leave us just feeling um, just so uh, grieved by, by what we see going on. Um, you know, I, I do think about, you know, Ephesians chapter 5, um, uh, beginning in verse 8 there, Son, it, it, you know, Paul writing to believers here, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And I'm going to pause there a second. So that example you gave is just an example of what happens when people are living in darkness They gravitate toward other things that are dark. In this case, you know, um, the devil and and, uh, things that that would pertain to uh, Satan's uh, domain. Uh, But then Paul writes, live as children of light, for the fruit of light of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. So that's an interesting verse there. Uh, you know, it, it expose them. But then I'm going to get to another verse here that is interesting. Um, for it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. So, um, but then he, he writes, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is, it is light that makes everything visible. So on one hand, um, you know, we're to have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. But at the same time, you know, we're, we are to expose them. Um, but then Paul says it's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. Um, so I think we're, we're treading on thin ice if we spend too much time, which we're not doing here. Uh, but, but uh, you know, if somebody were to obsess over the dark things, um, it would be like a person, I suppose, obsessing over the devil. You know, C.S. Lewis said there are two dangers when it comes to the devil. One's to act as though he doesn't exist and just ignore his existence and be unaware of the danger of the devil. The other is to just focus on him so much that you become consumed and you see a demon behind every bush. Well, you know, as Christians, we're called to fix our eyes on Jesus. Um, now, those verses I just read, um, I think it is important that we expose darkness, um, which is what, what this podcast is doing here, what, what, what Christian uh, parents and, and pastors and others do when they uh, seek to teach, you know, young people, um, you know, what is dark, what is light, what, what, what are the deeds of darkness, what, what does the Lord want? Um, so uh, to, to really come down with a definitive, you know, how far do we go on each one? I think we, we, need, to, we need to have a balanced uh, approach, but uh, this verse is very insightful when, it, when Paul writes, 
for it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. Now, the difference here is that this isn't being done in secret. This is a public uh, thing. And so I think to address it is one thing. Now, if there was something being done, let's say, by someone secretly and, and not known to the public or them not making it known, that might be a different situation perhaps. But, but at the end of the day, I, I, I think we want to err on the side of focusing way more on the light than on the darkness, um, speaking far less about the darkness than the light. But at the same time, um, we can't just bury our head in the sand and pretend as though it's not there or, or that somehow if we don't address it, it won't affect anyone. I mean, you know, it, it's like when some of these questionable, questionable books come out, like there was that book called The Shack, and many Christians, um, were concerned that the book, The Shack, um, was, was really presenting an unbiblical view uh, of God and the doctrine of the Trinity. Um, you know, things like that, if, if we don't address them, uh, things that are going on in, in the Christian world and in the culture, um, if we don't clarify false doctrine, we bury our head in the sand and say, well, you know, if somebody reads it, you know, they're, they're going to know the difference. Um, no, uh, probably not, especially today. So, um, we, we need to be clear on who God is and the doctrine of the Trinity. We need to be clear on, on Jesus and the one way of salvation through faith in him. We need to be clear on what is light and what is darkness. And, and so this example with the, with the shoes, the Nike shoes and the 666, um, this glorification of darkness is an opportunity for us to really uh, remind people what the darkness brings into a person's life here in this world and in eternity and it's nothing to play around with. And while, you know, while this rapper may be uh, trying to have fun with it and, and, and have his little game with it, uh, meanwhile, you know, Satan is dragging souls to hell every day. And what I mean by that is he's blinding people, as it says in the Bible. He's blinding their minds from seeing Jesus. He is um, strengthening their unbelief in many ways, coming around them and, and pointing out all the reasons why they should not even consider Christianity. And, and so they die, and many die then, in that sin of unbelief, and, and they're not forgiven. And, and they stand before God, they will, on Judgment Day, they're going to have the book thrown at them, son, because you're, only, you're either only under grace or under law. There's, there's no, op, no other option than that. Um, those under law will be judged by the law. They're unbelievers. Those under grace um, will be welcomed into heaven, even though we're far from perfect. But we're not going to be judged by the law. We're not going to have the book thrown at us. Heaven and hell are real. God and Satan are real. And anything that makes light of that, um, is a very foolish and even shameful and evil attempt to just um, discuss something that um, he really has no idea what, what he's dealing with. I mean, this idea that he's going to go down to hell and, and, and then interact with Satan and somehow even come out, you know, victorious. I mean, it, it's just all mythical uh, fables and imagination that, that people have and really stories that Satan would, would want to promote, um, but it's got nothing to do with the real message that Jesus presented um, about Satan, uh, about his fall from heaven. I'm interested, I mean, it's, I'm curious that they use that verse where um, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, why they would tie in Satan's demise and defeat and, and his um, exit from heaven with these, these shoes and what seems to be glorifying him. But um, I don't know, maybe it was just to deal with this rapper wanted to say, hey, you know, um, Satan got defeated and, and I, I'm, I defeated him myself. I mean, in some ways, if you think about it, it's, it's that rapper's way of maybe proclaiming that he is God, which, which man believes by nature that he is God. And, and so maybe this rapper thinks that, hey, Jesus isn't the only one that, that got to kick Satan out of heaven. I got in on it too. In fact, I went down there and I, 
I, I did a second number on him, <laughs> you know, so it's just, it's just um, so, uh, so untrue and so unhelpful. And, and I, and I'm glad that you, you're, you're raising it, Sam, because it's, it's worth addressing so that we can um, shed light on what, what the Bible really has to say, what really is true about uh, light and darkness, good and evil, God and Satan. You know, Dan, he's not the first one to kind of exploit this satanic or going to hell type of thing and partying. There's been many celebrities and people that make comments over the years that say, you know, when I get to hell, I'm going to party with my friends and all this. And they really, you know, have a misconception of what hell is like. And it's going to be a rude awakening once they get there, if they don't change their ways. But it's, 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 it's sad when you think about it and you look at these people that kind of flaunt this because, yeah, they're trying to make a statement. They're trying to maybe, you know get themselves known, you know, promote a new song, make some money, whatever. And they're trying to do it in such a way. I mean, I think about Marilyn Manson and all the things that he did, that artist, you know, and people will buy into it. And that's the thing. It's the influence, that negative influence that will draw people to this yeah. type of thing, you know, draw people yeah. to how many times do you look at the influence of celebrities? So there's a celebrity out there and you just look on TV, any infomercial and for the ladies out there, you know, they're the makeup or right. the, the, the serum or the cream that's going to make you look younger. It's the fountain of youth and all this, you know, selling of these goods that's supposed to help you. And people will go out there and, and utilize it because the celebrity said to, and because this person promotes it and all this stuff. And when it gets to, you know, the innocence of maybe a beauty product that will help you look younger and healthier. And then you get to more of the sinister of people talking about, you know, I'm going to party in hell. I'm going to go down and give Satan a lap dance and, and other videos out there and other music lyrics out there that influence people. And we as society, we as human nature, we as creations of God, we are searching for something. I think we, we have, have a natural instinct to search for something and i think in for me i think that instinct to search for something is actually our search for god like our connection to be with god i think that's how you know we're looking for you know that's what god is calling us to do but giving us a choice and we connect with these other things that are you know it's like that whole saying we have a a god-sized hole in our heart that nothing can fill except god and when we try to fill it with other things we're left empty and voided and people go to these type of things thinking it's the cool thing because little Nas is going to sit there and promote a shoe. So I want that shoe or this celebrity is a part of this, you know, religious entity, whatever it might be. Or we're going to, you know, save the earth through climate change or we're going to be on Greenpeace or whatever, you know, we're going to eat vegan or whatever the next thing is. But really what we're doing is we're trying to fill this empty soul of ours with some sort of something. You know, we're going to rescue a pet. You know, you can no longer buy a pet from any other place unless it's a rescue pet at least here in los angeles if you don't have a rescue pet i mean you've committed some crime if you bought like a a, a, you know a thoroughbred or whatever it is you know a a fully breaded dog from somebody and you didn't go to the rescue shelter i mean that's like a sin right um yeah because everybody has a rescue pet and that's fine but when you're selling yourself to that and that's what you're trying to fill your void with and that's where the influence and being kind of pulled down that path, and especially something as dangerous and sinister as something of the demonic, yeah. it's very dangerous. And these people don't really understand it because, and that's what's sad about it. They don't understand exactly what they're doing and the influence that they're having. And that once you get there, you're going to party down in hell. We're going to be with friends. We're going to hang out, all this stuff. The reality is not that. It's really bleak. And people that talk about that and kind of praise it and look forward to it, you know, it's really sad because it's a rude awakening that's coming up. Well, it, it really is, son. You know, I think about in Romans where Paul writes that 
um, you know, they, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and, and they, they, they began to, to worship and serve created things rather than the creator himself. And, and, and that ties in with then Ephesians 4, um, which is just a chapter before the verses uh, I read in chapter 5, that Paul writes here uh, in verse 17 and following, So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. Well, this is, this is what spiritual darkness does to man. This is what spiritual darkness does to any one of us uh, apart from, from Christ. He's our only lifeline. He's our only, uh, our only hope. Uh, of salvation, our only hope of light in our soul, uh, our only hope of having understanding. Um, and because like Paul says, you know, the, the folks who are living in darkness are separated from the life of God and, and they've hardened their hearts. Um, and, and because of that, then they've lost all sensitivity. So we, we should really uh, just about never be surprised, I suppose, at what we hear uh, goes on in darkness because, um, you know, there's no limit to how low uh, a person can go because at the end of the line there with, with darkness, the, the ultimate example of that is Satan himself. And, and um, you know, people who are walking in darkness are really uh, following um, that religion. It was interesting. One time Jesus was talking to some Jews and he said, uh, you know, they, they were claiming that Abraham is their father and everything. And Jesus said, hey, wait a minute. You know, uh, Abraham's not your father. You, you want to do the things your father does. Uh, your, your father is the devil. And, 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 and so imagine, you know, people in Jesus' day who had what they felt was like an airtight religious pedigree. You know, you can't touch me, you know. Um, but in reality, um, because they were rejecting the Messiah, um, because they were looking to their own self-righteous acts as being um, their ticket to, to, to God, um, that Jesus said to them, you want to do what your father does, the devil. And, and Jesus said, he's been lying from the beginning. He's the father of lies. Uh, but, but that's where any of us would be, Son, without the Lord. Um, we would be under that, that dark spell of, of, of Satan. And, and there's no bigger sin than the sin of unbelief. Because the sin of unbelief keeps a person uh, separated from a life with God. Uh, the sin of unbelief is the worst sin. You know, we, we talk about sin sometimes, like, you know, there's no bigger sins than others. And, and you know, we can make a case for that, certainly, um, although we would want to add that, you know, um, some sins have greater consequences than, than others. But, but sin is sin um, to a large extent. But I, I don't know that we can say that when, when we're dealing with the biggest sin, because the one sin that keeps a person separated from God is unbelief. And so Jesus said, repent and believe the good news. And, and, and this is where anyone who has exchanged the truth of God for a lie and has been following the deeds of darkness and, and the way of darkness, um, it's necessary to repent, to trust Christ. He will forgive. Uh, he loves to forgive. God wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. But uh, sadly, many um, just seem unwilling, uninterested in coming out from that, that realm of darkness. And like you say, some even joke about going to hell as though, you know, well, maybe the beer will be warm, but at least I'll be with my friends. Well. I mean, it's a million times different than what you're expecting, um, and uh, it's really tragic. And Jesus died on the cross so that 
listeners today, son, could, could reach out to him and, and be forgiven. If, if only, my friend, if, if you'll do that today, uh, Christ will come and he'll live with you. He'll live in you. Um, the Holy Spirit will come inside of you, um, and you'll start to be led by the Holy Spirit. But it begins at conversion when you're saved, redeemed, born again, justified, and forgiven on the front end of a relationship with God as you repent and believe the good news. Why not do that today? Uh, because otherwise, uh, Satan's got you hoodwinked, and it won't be good until until you come to Christ. You know, Dan, I can't help but think, um, you know, these celebrities talk about that. I just want to tell them, okay, you just had a huge drug addiction and your life was destroyed by drugs. Hell's going to be way worse than that. So if you didn't like your drug addiction, you're definitely not yeah. going to like hell or whatever worst thing you yeah. went through, you know, and they just don't get yeah. it. Um, yeah. You know, we've been talking about through the lockdown over the past year certain religious liberties, and John MacArthur's church out here in Los Angeles has been at the forefront, at least out here, of kind yeah. of – going against lockdown edicts the church has been meeting they've been meeting in the sanctuary they've been doing pretty much everything that you're not supposed to be doing according to the edicts you know by the mayor and the governor of california the mayor of los angeles and so you know there's been a lot of pushback a lot of legal stuff going on they've been fined they've gone to you know to court and so recently uh the supreme court ruled that our governor, Newsom, his edict about in-home religious gatherings, which was limited to three households, was unconstitutional, and people can meet in the house for religious activities, um, you know, without, I guess, a cap. I don't know. So basically, the religious liberties being taken away through lockdown edicts are starting to unravel by the courts, even the Supreme yeah. Court. And so I'm not really sure. I haven't really heard much as far as, you know, what John MacArthur, what the final thing was. But we know churches are opening. People are going back. And so I'm pretty sure that, you know, it's now front and center that you cannot have uh, religious liberties like the right to meet for church taken away. I think that's kind of been proven now through the court systems up to the Supreme Court. Well, over Easter, there was a church up in Canada where the Canadian police, I guess, entered the church on Easter Sunday during service. And I don't know why. I mean, maybe they were trying to see if people were complying to the Canadian version of the lockdown edicts. And I'm not really familiar with the Canadian Constitution, but I'm probably pretty sure that even in Canada as a police and a police entity, you can't just enter something without a warrant. And so there was a church. It was a Polish church, which, according to all the reports that I read, was the, the fact that it's a Polish church, I guess, is significant. I don't know. Maybe they were alluding to some sort of you know racist you know agenda or something. I don't know. I don't want to go down that route. But, but it was a Polish church. And the pastor confronted the um, what he called Gestapo coming into the church. And I just want to play a little bit, a little clip here, sure. if I can, and just give everybody an idea of exactly what he was saying and how he was saying it. So that, you know, we kind of have an idea. Please get out. Get out of this property. Immediately get out. Get out of this property. Immediately. Out. I don't want to hear anything. Out of this property. Immediately. I don't want to hear a word. Out. Out. Out of this property. Immediately until you come back with a warrant. Out. 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 Out of this property, immediately out. Immediately go out and don't come back. Don't, I don't want to talk to you. Not a word. Out of this property. 
out of this property, immediately out. I don't care what you have to say. Out! Out! Out of this property, you Nazis! Out! Out! And so basically they, you know, give up and the police go out. So you hear, you know, the, the pastor there as some lady is trying to, you know, explain something. He wants nothing to do with it. I mean, he doesn't want anything to do with it. So he's sitting there yelling at him, get out, get out, get out. We heard in there, you need a warrant. So I would imagine that it's similar to here where you can't, you know, unlawfully search and seizure without a warrant. You can't come into a place without a warrant. And so they eventually leave. Um, and he calls him a Nazi, he calls him, you know, Gestapo to me personally, that might be going too far, but, uh, cause I, I think anytime we throw out Nazi Gestapo, you know, racism, racist, things like that. I think we do the people that really endured that, like calling somebody a Nazi. Sure. I think, I really think the 6 million Jews plus the millions more that endured during world war two and the Nazi regime yeah. that went through that. I think we do them an injustice and a disservice by calling police that come into a church to maybe, clarify some co- coronavirus legislation or you know rules or whatever i think we do those people right. that suffered a dis- uh, disservice and i think it's wrong for us to throw out those words in vain that's just my yeah. personal thought but okay you can see how he has strong emotion and he wasn't going to relent and he basically shouted them down as the pastor of the church to get them out of their building and they eventually left so again a reaction. You know, we saw a John MacArthur type reaction out here where he was more calm. I'm sure his lawyers did all the fighting and were bulldogs in the courtroom. Um, but John MacArthur, the face of the church, uh, was calm. He even said that if he goes to jail, he'll start a prison ministry. So that was his approach to it. But he was defiant. He was literally defiant. And in some of the services, you know, he got up there, John MacArthur did, and he was defiant in yeah. preaching in violation of the lockdown edicts. So, but he did it in more of a calm manner. This pastor, and we don't know any other backstory that he could have been harassed, harassed, harassed. We don't know, but he is more dogmatic, you know, has emotion, not going to even give them an inch to say anything. And he's just out, 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 out. So again, the approach, we talk a little bit about Lil Nas and his demonic shoes and how we approach that type of thing as Christians. How do we approach something like this? You're in a church, you're in a place of worship, police come in totally unprovoked and they try to disrupt the service yeah. and the pastor yeah. shouts them down and they eventually leave. So again, are we looking at something where was the pastor, was it inappropriate? Should he have been meek, like a meek Jesus, turn the other cheek? Or is this in this case, you know, turning over the money changer type attitude and, you know, expelling the police for their illegal entry and trying to disrupt the service? Yeah, I, you know, I, I think, Son, what, what strikes me about that, that audio recording is, is that the pastor did refer to a warrant. He did refer to their um, legal opportunities to, um, to do whatever it is they, they, they want to do to come in and, and, uh, and, and search or do whatever. Um, uh, it doesn't appear that, that they have the legal right to do, to do a whole lot of anything. Uh, because otherwise, I'm guessing they would have uh, either arrested, uh, you know, arrested the pastor, or they would not have left. But because they did leave, uh, indicates it seems to me that that um, they were they would have gone against the law to to remain. Uh, I mean, if somebody comes into your home and and you speak rather forcefully for them to get out because they're not legally um, allowed to stay in there, 
I don't know that that's really any different than what that pastor was doing, um, similar to how Jesus drove the, the money changers out of, out of God's house, out of the temple. You know, that pastor seemed to have a righteous uh, indignation that the house was being violated. Now, you know, as Christians, we are to obey the governing authorities. Um, and and I, don't, I don't know um, in that case that, that he in any way wasn't uh, obeying them. Uh, you know, he was helping them in a way to, to keep the law. He was, he was helping to keep them in check where they apparently were getting out of line. Um, now, again, if, 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 it was, if it had been uh, illegal, maybe for them together, if the law had been so strict, um, then it would have been a matter of the pastor still having to decide, you know, what does God want me to do? And, and, and the Lord wants us to meet. That could have been a position he could have taken. Other pastors might have taken the position, well, you know, um, I'm not going to make a, a big deal of this. Uh, you know, I, it's similar in a way, you know, as different communities have had, um, you know, lockdown uh, requirements. You know, it, it's interesting how different churches have, have responded to that. Um, uh, you know, I, I think what this pastor did was, was according to his conscience, I, I don't hear anything on there where um, he was going against the Lord or even against the law of the land. Um and, and yet he was appealing to the law of the land and, and appealing to these, um, uh, to these law officials uh, to follow your laws, um, bring a warrant, you know, and so forth. Now, you know, somebody, somebody might argue about whether they felt he got too emotional or this or that. Sometimes people get emotional when they feel like their home is being, if you have an invader in your home, and he felt like there was an invader in the Lord's home. Uh, so, yes, it was an emotional situation. Um, but, um, I mean, who really could, could fault him? Um, I'm not sure there was any legal fault. Um, I, I can't, I can't see any spiritual fault that, that he had. Um, I mean, who am I to say that, you know, he was, he was too emotional or too loud or, or too insistent. Uh, somebody said, well, he was being rude. Well, uh, you could argue that if somebody's in the building and, and, and they're not wanted in the building, that they're being rude. So we, we want to try to work with the authorities uh, in every way that we can. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, it's an interesting example, just one of the many things on that, that develop in our, in our world today where you've got, um, you, you've got people trying to uh, enforce certain codes and rules and, and others, especially Christians, saying, wait a minute, um, that, that doesn't seem right. You know, uh, you know, you, you forcing me to do this or, or forcing me not to do this. Um, and, and so, um, Jesus drove the money changers out of the temple. Um, you know, we're, we're not to be like Peter when he got out his sword and, and cut off, you know, the ear of, of, of one of those who come to arrest Jesus. Um, we're, we're, we're not to go to that level. Uh, we're, we're not to, um, you know, I don't believe the Lord raised up a, a band of people to go out and, 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 and be violent against, you know, unbelievers. Uh, but if you've got some who don't believe, or even some officials, let's say, who do believe, maybe some of those officers were believers. It really, it wasn't a situation there that really was about believer or unbeliever. It was a, it was a situation of civil authorities coming in to the church, and either they had the legal right to do it or they didn't. And I'm guessing they didn't, because if they had, uh, then maybe they would have arrested the pastor if he, if they out he committed some crime but i i certainly don't see a crime in anything anything that he did see now according to 
Canadian law, I guess. So first off, I guess they're there to try to enforce COVID guidelines. Under 15% capacity, everybody wearing a mask. So there's some COVID guidelines that I guess they were there trying to see if they were being followed. But then someone wow. else, but then someone else wrote that according to, um, 176, section 176 of the criminal code in Canada, it makes it a crime to disturb a church service. So then it goes on to say that, you know, the commentary then is that the Calgary police were thugs breaking the law and they knew it. So were they flaunting the law because they didn't have a warrant. And so therefore they were disrupting the service. And according to Canadian criminal code, it's uh, illegal to disturb a church service. So maybe they were in the wrong. But, you know, I think back to, you know, we mentioned uh, Nazi Germany because he was talking about Nazis, Gestapo, the six million Jews that died at the hands of, you know, Hitler and his regime at the concentration camps. You made reference to Corey Tamboom a couple episodes ago. I mean, you think about this. OK, the law of the land back then was to turn over the Jews for extermination, basically send them off to camps mm-hmm. because of the ethnic cleansing yeah. that Hitler wanted. But look at people like Corey Tamboom, Christians that were hiding the Jews, that were putting them. So, you know, keeping them from having to go to, to camps. You think of, you know, stories of people that so, so-called broke the law to save people from Hitler and his regime. And I don't think right. that, and so I think there is a, a distinction between the time when we have to act in civil yeah. disobedience, in violation, because the yeah. call to God and what he wants us to do is greater. You know, like you, you mentioned earlier, yeah, we're supposed to obey those in authority over us until it goes yeah. against, you know, God's commands. Right. And I think in certain yeah. instances, it's okay to rise up. Some may be more passionately, others more calmly, some more egregious. I, I don't think like, you know, Corey Tamboom hiding the Jews is pretty egregious in that country at that time because right. people were adamant. I mean, they were, you know, snitching on each other. They were ratting each other out, you know, all kinds of things. I mean, I think back to, uh, was it Anne Frank maybe? You know, Anne Frank is hiding in the upper room, and I think it was a criminal or somebody down below would broke in and then got arrested and to save themselves said that there were Jews probably hiding upstairs in the attic or something like that. You know, you hear stories like that where people, you know, will sell out other people to save themselves. And so at what point then do we, do we have to, you know, rise up and take action? And is that action going to be something more emotionally packed like this pastor in Canada shouting down the police and making them get out? Or is it something more, you know, where it's not so vocalized, but the actions that we do and the actions that we take are just as emotional, just as violent, so to speak, as hiding Jews so that they don't go away to concentration camps and probably end right. up, you know, dead. Um, so where is that? You know, where is that line that we that we have to cross where we disobey government in honor of God's law? Well, I think the line, Son, as I see it in Scripture, is what the apostles said in the book of Acts when they said we must obey God rather than men. And so whether it be a Corey Ten Boom or a Lutheran pastor, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer in Germany, you know, uh, helping uh, Jews to escape the Nazis and be saved, um, we, we have to always obey God first and foremost. And, and, and if man, through his actions and his laws, uh, is going against that and, 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 um, uh, and really going against the will of God, then, then we need to, uh, we need to be willing to stand for righteousness. And, and I think, you know, I think that pastor there in Canada was, was attempting to do that. Um, and, and I think many Christians have, 
uh, through a variety of ways, uh, sought to, to stand for righteousness. Um, that, that's what we're called to do. I mean, uh, our king is, is on a much higher authority than um, any authority here on earth. I mean, he, he is the ultimate authority. We are serving him. And, and we are to be as best we can, I, I believe, you know, good, good citizens and, um, uh, you know, helpful and cooperative and accommodating, you know, whenever possible. I mean, the Bible does say, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and the mutual edification. Now, that's especially dealing with Christian uh, relationships among Christians. Um, but, but I also think, you know, it has application, uh, you know, in the world as well. I mean, the Bible says we should lead uh, peaceful and quiet lives. Um, so, again, that doesn't mean that there's never a time to, uh, to act in a way that it maybe isn't as peaceful, uh, you know, as, as, as we live most of the time. But um, we need to be led by the Spirit. I mean, what, was Jesus peaceful when he overturned the, uh, the tables of the money changers in the temple, you know? Um, I mean, sometimes it's not going to appear very peaceful when we proclaim the gospel and, and maybe people's feathers get ruffled. But, um, you know, I, I like the saying, Son, that I heard years ago. Um, it's one thing if the gospel offends someone, it's another thing if you do. Um, and, and I think there are ways that we can guard against being unnecessarily offensive. Uh, if our manner is offensive, you know, and, and somehow we're wearing that as a badge of honor, well, you know, I offended them, so I must be doing it right. Well, um, was it the message that offended them or was it your, was it your manner, um, your forceful manner? Um, I mean, sometimes I think it's our manner. Uh, and, and, you know, frankly, um, you know, as a pastor, uh, I mean, I, I'd have to really think about, you know, how would I respond if I was in the shoes of that, you know, Canadian pastor and how would other pastors respond? I think you'd have a whole range of responses. I mean, I think, I think there might be some pastors who would look at it as an opportunity. Hey, come on in, you know, uh, I'd like to share the gospel with you. I mean, so rather than being confrontational, um, looking at it, it's like, Hey, I, I think the Lord brought you here through this set of circumstances. You're just doing your job. Um, you're just coming in to see if we're following the rules. Um, come on in, have a seat. Why don't you observe and, and share the gospel with them? You know what I'm saying? So, so um, I, I think there are ways that we can um, work to not be confrontational. Now, on the other hand, it's a much different situation, uh, you know, with like Corey Tenboom and Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I mean, when you when you've got that level of evil going on. Um, you know, uh, drastic measures sometimes are, are called for um, if you're going to take a stand for righteousness. And uh, so I guess it just depends on the situation. You pray about it, say, Lord, give me guidance. And again, I don't want to suggest that that Canadian pastor was doing it right or wrong. I mean, uh, I, I'm going to assume that he was doing what he felt he needed to do. And I, one thing I know, son, is Christians, and I'm talking about, you know, people who who love the Lord, believe in the Lord, follow the Lord, serve the Lord. Um, you, you find a whole range of responses from Christians on a whole range of issues today. I, I mean, you know, Christians respond to the evil of abortion differently, one, one Christian to the other. Uh, Christians respond to, um, you know, uh, evil on, uh, you know, coming from Hollywood. They, they respond differently in terms of, um, you know, just how they seek to um, address it, if at all, you know. Um, I mean, most Christians are, are very busy living their lives and, and, uh, working and, and, um, trying to, to serve their family and so forth. Um, you know, there are really only so many, I suppose, you know, extra projects that, uh, that, that maybe a Christian can take on, but, but we all need to be open to letting God use us in our own sphere of influence 
and to be a light in the darkness. I mean, you know, that's what Jesus was. He's the ultimate light in the darkness. And, and um, as long as we do that, you know, we'll, 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 we'll probably never be known like a Corey Ten Boom or a Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and that's just fine, you know. Um, you know, we can say with, with John, you know, uh, he must become greater, I must become less, and, and that should always be our goal. Uh, but if in the course of our duty uh, we're called to do something a little bit different or uh, maybe a little bit more uh, assertive or whatever, then so be it. Um, but we need to pray and, and be led by the Lord and not be looking, I don't think, to pick a fight. Uh, I certainly don't think that Pastor in Canada was doing that, but um, looking for how we can promote peace, um, but certainly how we can do so without compromising our convictions and, and while trying to stand for, for righteousness. I think that's always uh, the calling of a Christian. So then how do we react towards fellow believers? Okay, we've been talking about basically our reaction toward, I don't want to say an, an unbelieving world, but a, a worldview, you know, a world that puts... Um, you know, emphasis like Lil Nas and these demonic shoes or Satan shoes, as he called them, and how do we react towards something like that? How do we react toward a government that might be infringing upon religious liberties? But then what about this? Okay, real quick, just for the backstory, I was a part of a church. I was the president of a congregation, and we had a school attached to our church. And uh, in the Lutheran church, the school is actually like a missionary or a mission field for the students. And so even though it's somewhat independent, there's still kind of some oversight from the church because it's a part of the church and they accept the church or the school as a part of the church congregation. And so anyways, um, so as the economy a few years ago, probably about 10, 11 years ago, was starting to go down, you know, 2008, 2009, a lot of people could no longer afford to pay for schooling. So the enrollment in the private school was starting to dwindle significantly, probably 40%. And so people going to public schools where it's free. Well, the loss of revenue started to lead to financial trouble for the school. Now, the agreement between the school and the church was the the church would give the school so much money to help it out every year, but then the school had to make up the, the difference. And so as the school was losing money, they were asking the church to pay more and more, which was putting the church into financial trouble. So the church decided to close the school. That was the best way to handle it after months and months and months of, of research, prayer, etc. So that led to all kinds of issues, you know, from, from people in the church, from people in the school, protests, etc. So one Sunday during service, a, some of the teachers walk in and basically storm the church and disrupt the service, much like the police did in, in, uh, Calgary and they were hostile hostile towards the church because the church ultimately uh, decided to close the school and so um, I was the president so obviously I was targeted as one of the people that was the evil one for closing the school and the pastor was the other one so one of the teachers is approaching the the pulpit while another guy who was the son of another teacher is approaching me and I'm thinking to myself okay um, I've never been a violent person I've never thrown a punch never been in a fight uh, I know this guy's history. He has a history that's erratic because I've known him story. I know his story. I know who he is. I'm thinking to myself, is this something that if it comes down to it, are we going to have to go to blows? I'm going to make sure I take him down. I've already resolved, resolved that in my mind um, because I wasn't going to be beaten down or you know, I was going to defend myself basically is what it came to. <clears throat> now, fortunately, the pastor, he was frenzied, I could tell, because it took us by surprise. And all I remember him saying is, you, Jesus, as he reaches out his hand toward the lady, the teacher that's coming to the pulpit. And she freezes in her tracks. And the dude coming at me, 
freezes in his tracks. And we're like pretty much nose to nose at this point. And so I'm looking at him, you know, trying to make sure that nothing happens. And so I take a step back and kind of remove myself from the situation. And the pastor's talking to the, the lady that's trying to approach him. And so then anyways, I was able to call the police and the police showed up. Now, fortunately, God was in control of that entire situation and we didn't have to rely on ourselves. Right. Okay. So that yeah. was a huge blessing. Yeah. But I'm thinking yeah. to myself, okay, here's Christians, professed Christians that are upset and naturally I can understand it because they all lost their jobs. Sure. But if I can just put a little side note to it, once the school closed and we did more follow-up, we realized that there were other issues involved and some of these teachers were complicit in those issues. So their outrage was a little bit, you know, I think wrong because they were complicit in some of the issues that caused the school to close. So they were kind of the product of their own demise. But my thought was, okay, well, how do we handle people like that? Like when Christians come and approach us or, and, and people that call themselves Christians and, and, and we, and we believe it. Like I said, I went to church with these people. I heard their testimony. I heard their witness. I knew their backstories. I knew things about them. And then all of a sudden they act in a manner that to me was demonic because they didn't approach it the right way. They disrupt a service. They didn't sit down one-on-one. They yelled and screamed. They didn't want to hear the truth as to why things were going, but instead they spread lies. And that was the thing. We were getting, you know, emails and, and, and people in the school were asking us what's going on. And they were telling us stories of things that weren't even true. You know, so the principal and some of these people were like making up lies to get people to take their side. And I'm thinking to myself, so how do we handle like Christians and people that are in the church with us in any of these issues that yeah. are kind of like this, you know, kind of like there's something there and how do we handle it? Do we push back? Can we push back more because we have more, you know, Bible behind us because they're believers and we should iron sharpen iron, you know, how do we go about doing that? And some, I know some people with family even, you know, have issues with family members that are Christian and we have to push back and do something. So is there anything different right. in, the, in our approach right. to a fellow believer or is it the same? Um, obviously, you know, for me, put God in control and he'll take care of everything. But, but how do we, how do we react to fellow believers in those type of situations? Yeah. I mean, when, when things get emotional like that, son, as we know, I mean, it, it's very similar in a way to what happens in a Christian marriage or a Christian family. When emotions start to run hot, um, people can end up saying things and doing things that are um, aggressive uh, just as, you know, it sounds like you and the, the pastor of the congregation, you were being confronted. I mean, it makes me think of some of these images we see on TV in the last year or two with, you know, uh, violent protests when, when some of those have happened, um, you know, and, and, and riots have been starting. Uh, you know, I think, I think that's a situation that is just, um, it, you know, it's like you're adding, uh, you know, gasoline to the fire. Um, which it sounds like they were doing in that situation rather than trying to approach it gently. You know, in, uh, in Galatians 6, it says, Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently, but watch yourself or you also may be tempted. So, I mean, obviously it would have been far better for them, I think, to come um, gently, maybe to see if they could meet with some folks maybe after the church service or on a different day, um, Rather than, you know, forcing the agenda in that way, um, I, I don't know that, that that would have been their only option. Um, but, you know, you're asking, I think, Sign, you know, how, how are Christians to respond? Well, you know, the, the, the best that we can in a situation like that where we, 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 we try to take a stand for the truth. Um, and sometimes people don't want to hear the truth. They're going to get aggressive. 
Um, but we try to take a stand for the truth, just like Martin Luther. Uh, when, uh, you know, he had been a, a Roman Catholic monk, but he, he came to understand the gospel. And he came to understand some problems that were going on in the Catholic Church there in, during his day. And, and he wasn't going to just bow before those religious authorities. Um, he was going to stand for the gospel. And when they put pressure on him, he, he, he continued to stand. In fact, his famous, um, you know, his famous line, you know, uh, here I stand, I, I can do no other. And um, may God help me. And he said, you know, my conscience is, my conscience is bound to the word of God. And, and it's, not, it's not safe to go against your conscience. So I think as Christians, we are to uh, follow scripture first and foremost. I think we also should follow our conscience. God will guide us uh, through that many times. He'll guide us through the wisdom of others. And, and to use that example you gave, and I'm sorry that you had to go through that and, and that congregation did, I, I wish that that group had whatever grievances they, they felt that uh, needed to be heard, I wish they'd have chosen a different way to do it, and, and I think that could have been handled um, better. But, I mean, I think all of us can look back in our lives and say, boy, I wish I'd have handled this situation differently or better um, with less emotion. Um, it's easy for us to look at somebody else's situation from the outside and say, boy, you know, they really lost control. But how many times have we maybe in our own heart, our own mind, our own speech, our own behavior, you know, lost, lost some measure of control, um, given into that emotion, um, and, and rather than just letting the Lord guide us. So, so that, that continues to be the, the goal and, and the challenge of believers to be led by the spirit, not by the flesh. And, and, you know, the fruit of the spirit is love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And, and God will help us, but um, he also expects us to do our part and to say no to ungodly desires and, and, and uh, anything that's wicked, anything that's evil. And, um, and, and we just take each situation, I guess, on as it comes, and we have to pray that God gives us wisdom and that we act accordingly, um, especially when things do start to get heated. And, and that's when it's the toughest. That's when Satan is working the most. You know, he, he's jumping all over that when emotions are running hot, you know. And it's that way in marriage. It's that way in the family. It's that way in churches. It's that way in, you know, anywhere. Um, and certainly that way in the world. I mean, how many people, son, are sitting in prison today because they couldn't control their anger? And, and in a moment of passion, they, they grabbed a gun or they, uh, in an act of road rage, did something horrible that took somebody's life or, or whatever. Uh, I mean, day in and day out, we see what happens when we give in to, to rage and anger, brawling and slander. And that's why, you know, it says in Ephesians to get rid of those things, because they will destroy us if we're not careful. And, and um, but, but having said that, I'll just conclude with this. I mean, I'm just thankful that, as you said already, son, that the Lord prevented that from becoming, uh, you know, a, a bigger um, you know, just conflict than it was that day, that it didn't become something you know, like a physical altercation and so forth, even though it, it seemed to be going in that direction. But I, I'm thankful that the Lord was with you and, and that pastor and congregation to really, I think, stop that from happening that day. And, and uh, but yeah, it's, I'm sure it's something you'll never forget. Well, the reason, the whole point of the conversation today is what I was hoping to get out there was that, you know, as Christians, as Bible-believing Christians that want to follow Scripture, that want to follow what God says, you know, as this world continues to get worse, as the things that we face in this world continue to get worse, people tend to go to the turn-the-other-cheek, you know, passive way of accepting things. And I'm not sure that's really the case in all cases, and so I just wanted to see from your perspective, you know, if someone, 
And again, like you said, it's a personal choice, how you want to respond to something. It's God led. Hopefully, you know, in the moments, like in my situation, when the pastor just, you know, yelled out, you Jesus, um, I don't even, I don't even think he knew what he was saying. Everything stopped because Jesus right there, God intervened and stopped the situation and had a peaceful, uh, you know, the police came and, and basically asked everybody to leave. Um, right. So God was in control of that situation. But the question comes because I think Christians are taught to be passive. And if it requires something that's not passive, but needs something to be a little bit more aggressive in a response, I think Christians start to think of it as a sin and think of it as bad because they're not turning the other cheek and they're not being passive. And I think that there might be times in the future that as Christians, we might have to step up. We might have to step sure. up in defense of somebody else. You know, we might be sure. on the street and seeing injustice going on in the street, and we might have to intervene. There might right. be something going on, you know, in California and all across the country, you know, the racism and things that are going on, violence against, you know, Asian Americans now and Asian people in general seems to be on the rise. Um, there might be a time where we have to not be passive, and be aggressive in our response because that's the right thing to do. And I think Christians need to know that, you know, again, I'm not advocating violence. I'm not advocating anything, but I'm just saying that it might be okay that God's not going to condemn us. If we truly believe that our response to something is a little bit more firm or aggressive than that passive turn the other cheek, uh, cheek thing that we're often taught. And I think that people need to understand that and realize that, that it is okay. It is okay to, as a Christian, to fight back, whatever that fight might be. Um, you know, whether it be in the world of abortion, whether it be in the world of transgender ideology, whether it be, you know, in the world of sex trafficking, whether it be in the world of drugs, you know, somebody that is, uh, that you're trying to help break drug abuse, you know, whatever it might be that God has called us to be in that situation for a reason and he'll give us the power and he'll give us the ability right. and the tools and everything we need, but we need to be okay yeah. with that and not feel guilty if we're right to act in a certain manner that might be opposite sure. of possibly what we were taught. Well, and I'll tell you, Tom, I think history shows that there have been many times when, when Christians have had to take a very bold stand and, and that's going to look differently from one situation to the other. But you raised just a, a great example. I mean, if, you know, if an injustice is being carried out and we have an opportunity to, to intervene, I mean, um, you know, a lot of times these things, they develop suddenly, you know. And um, like you say, Son, even like that example you gave with, with you there in the church, I mean, you know, you had no idea they were going to come storming in. But, but you, you, were, you and the pastor there were seeking to be led by the Lord, to stand for the truth, um, and the Lord prevented it from escalating to something you know, physical, but I mean, it easily could have. Um, and, and there are situations where, uh, I mean, we see today, um, you know, I mean, we've seen situations where maybe there've been Christians meeting somewhere and, and they've been interrupted and, and attacked and so forth. Um, I mean, we live in a very volatile time and, uh, you know, we just, we pray for God to guide us in each situation. Um, you know, we, we, we attempt to do what leads to peace, but, um, you know, sometimes that, that means, um, being very strong and at times very assertive and, and, and getting involved in a situation, um, for the sake of, of truth. And, and that won't look the same for every person. Everybody won't have the same approach, but, um, the key is that we're led by the spirit. I mean, Jesus was always led by the Holy spirit. Um, what he did in the, in the temple there and driving out the money changers was exactly what needed to be done. Um, Jesus never sinned. He, he never, uh, you know, uh, was, was led by, 
by the flesh because he didn't have a sinful nature. He, he, he never gave into temptation. Um, so that, that's our challenge. I mean, how do we take a stand, um, without, um, you know, without going over to the side of the flesh? And I think sometimes what happens too, son, is, um, when we're engaged in something that is a, is of a very high spiritual nature and content and quality, um, that's when we come under, um, you know, uh, special attacks from the enemy. You know, it's been said that during revivals, when God's spirit is moving so powerfully, that, that one thing that can really halt a revival is when people start to get into extremism and fanaticism and, 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 and they start to let emotion um, get in the way of, of the genuine work of God that is going on. And, and I think many times um, that's our challenge as well. I mean, you know, I think Martin Luther said in his life that sometimes until he got mad about something, had some righteous anger, uh, maybe about something the Catholic Church was doing or the devil was doing, um, he, he couldn't maybe uh, in a given day get himself motivated. Although I don't know, um, you know, that many of us can say that, that like Luther, he spent the first three hours of his day in prayer because he said he couldn't um, get everything done if he hadn't. I mean, you know, there aren't, there aren't very many Luthers. You can count them on one hand probably. But um, I guess my point is um, that we have to be, we're going to come under special attack uh, in certain situations, and we have to be careful that that we don't start to veer off the let, let's call it the road of the spirit into the road of just pure emotion, because I think that's where many of us get get burned. Is, is that um, you know our emotions get inflamed, and 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 you know we go a while with the spirit, but then we start to go off that path, and now it's more the flesh that's taken over. Um, yeah, I think some people because of that. They, they, they shun all emotion, and, and then that can be a problem because God made us with emotions, and, and, and so we have to seek to find that, that healthy balance um, where emotion isn't um, getting in the way of what God's doing or wants to do through us, uh, but at the same time, we're not just afraid of it. I mean, I think there's some Christians that are so afraid of emotion. I mean, maybe they see, you know, um, somebody get a little more emotional in their worship experience, and, and that freaks them out because that's just not who they are. Um, but, but, but on the other hand, you can, you can see things go to an extreme where some people, um, they give over to, they're, they're given over to emotionalism and, and it's not really worshiping God as much as it is just, um, they're just consumed by emotion. And, you know, there's a great saying, emotion is not devotion. So, um, you know, we, we just seek to do the best we can, um, with, with, with what the Lord gives us and how he guides us. But I, I think you're right on target when, when you say that, I mean, we may have to get involved in a way that we never never thought of in the you know before but but for the sake of truth justice righteousness um and we hear that word justice a lot today um uh but if, if you really want to understand justice we need to go to scripture and it has a lot to say you know what does the lord require of you micah 6 8 um you know it, it tells us uh you know that we're to, to walk humbly and, and 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 to seek justice and, and to walk humbly with the lord uh to love mercy rather and seek justice and walk humbly with the lord so uh, we need to be merciful. We, we need to be uh, people of justice, and we need to walk humbly. And I would add to that, we need to walk um, under self-control. And, and we're not under self-control if our emotions are, are leading. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying we can't be emotional, but if our emotions get out in front of the spirit, um, then um, I, think, I think we start to get in trouble. And, and that's where maybe our, our anger or our natural responses um, 
kind of block what the Spirit's doing, just like in a revival, when, when people are given to emotionalism. So um, knowing ourselves, knowing our weaknesses, knowing things that just get us really stirred up, um, and then seeking to kind of almost harness that for the Lord and, um, and not get pulled out of the Spirit by our own fleshly desires, if that, if that makes sense. Yeah, Dan, I think you nailed it on the head there. Self-controlled boldness might mm. be the, the, the term that I'm looking yeah. for because it does. It requires yeah. us to be self-controlled, boldness yeah. led by Scripture and prayer, and I think that will be okay. And I think people can, can feel com- confident and comfortable in the fact that they are being bold in a self-controlled yeah. manner following uh, Scripture and in prayer. And I think that's going to be necessary as we move forward because the way things are in this world and the way they're going, it seems like we're going to need some more boldness as Christians because uh, there's a lot of things out there that we need to probably uh, be bold against. And I'll tell you, Martin Luther, was you know, he, he was far from perfect, and he had areas that he should have done it far differently. But I'll tell you what, he was bold. He was a bold warrior. He was bold for the gospel. And few people have been used the way that Martin Luther was used I mean, other than the Apostle Paul, I mean, you could probably put Martin Luther, uh, you know, up there with just a handful of people who've been used in history. Um, now, again, Luther had his faults, but I tell you, one one thing he was not afraid to be was bold, and 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 the Lord certainly rewarded his boldness for the gospel. I mean, I'm not saying everything he did was, was in the spirit. Uh, I mean, I think there were you know some instances where um, certainly there were instances where um, you know he was in the flesh, but. Um, again, he was a human being. He wasn't, he wasn't a God uh, by any stretch, you know, uh, and neither was the apostle Paul, but, but God uses certain individuals in, in ways, um, unlike just about anybody else. And then of course, we've got our Lord who was perfect and he, he teaches us exactly what, what holy boldness should be under self-control. I mean, Jesus never sinned. I mean, you know, you, you know, we talk about like Luther and Paul, I mean, they're way up there in terms of how God used them, but then you can talk about Jesus that goes to the stratosphere. I mean, nobody's even close to Jesus. I mean, he, he is so far above any of us, any human being, even the apostles. I mean, he is so far above us in terms of his perfection, his beauty, his purity, his boldness, his humility, his love. I mean, everything about Jesus is perfect. And this is why the Bible says, fix your eyes on Jesus, because um, we need him in our hearts. We need his forgiveness and, and we need to be led by the Holy spirit um, in us, uh, guiding us to be Christ-like, um, and when we do that, son, I think we'll, 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 we'll see God use us and, and lead others to him. Dan Delzell with us every week. We appreciate it. We thank you for your comments and your time and uh, look forward to many more opportunities as they come our way. Uh, if yeah. someone can uh, reach out and you know just wants to talk about something, where can they find you? Uh, well, my email is dandelzell, D-A-N-D-E-L-Z-E-L-L at cox.net, and I would welcome uh, yeah, any, any emails. And you can find me on Instagram at Edom Rocks, E-I-D-E-M-R-O-C-K-S. You can uh, direct message me there if you have any com- questions, comments, etc. And um, we truly appreciate you listening. Dan, thanks again so much, and we look forward to next time. Sure. Oh, I do too, Son. Yep, I, I, I look forward to it, and uh, we know we'll uh, be touching some, some more important issues when we do that. And for those of you listening, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. And until next time, God bless.